Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Good morning. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. I'm Rich Orris, filling in today, sitting in the seat for Scott Mosby. We're going to have a really good show here today, I think. Got a lot on tap for you, but want to remind everybody, we're getting an early start to the show than normal, so that's great. Um, You can get in early, too, so now that we're uh, here at 10 a.m., Call in, ask your questions, anything about your house. You can find us at 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So, like I said, got a lot going on, a lot of things we can talk about. Got some questions that we've gotten into our office that I can talk about and answer. Um, We can always talk about, um, well, geez, we got the holidays right here. Like Thanksgiving is actually next week um christmas of course you know what thanksgiving means is like you're going to blink and you're going to be staring at christmas in just a moment so you know preparing for the holidays what are your needs for your home um are you getting ready for out of town guests are you having some sort of you know a bunch of people for thanksgiving or a christmas party you know how do you how do you help prepare things that you could do we can talk about all that kind of stuff um, we can talk about any DIY projects maybe you have, questions on that. If you're looking at trying to get something done prior to one of these events that you're going to have, you can call in and we can talk about that. I've also got, um, you know, some really interesting information on, you know, some fiber optic lines that are going in around O'Fallon, Missouri, and some issues with the digging and the dig right and, you know, what's going on there. I'm sure you've probably seen that on the news. We can cover some some of that. That's that is, of course, to me, you know, kind of house guy. That that is very interesting. And of course, because you know, here at Mosby Building Arts, we do this sort of stuff. We we excavate, we call dig right, we we do that. Um so yeah, very interesting from my point of view of what's happening you know, out there. So we can get into a lot of that stuff and much, much more. What should you be doing now that it's getting cold? What what do we need to do in in November in preparation to keep our houses ready? We can get into all of that. But if you have anything going on around your house, anything you'd like to ask, my primary goal here today, of course, is really to help, just to help you. Just get in and see if there's something that, you know, we can we can answer for you and, and help you with. So that's the goal here today. So we'd really rather hear from you and know what's going on out there in in your world, in your house. So again, you can reach me at 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And and, you know, I've been doing this a little more here for Scott every now and then, and I'll have, you know, more coming up around New Year's and stuff like that to to fill in for him. But, you know, for everyone out there that, you know, hasn't heard so much or, or you know, doesn't know me, I, I am a sales consultant for Mosby Building Arts, Scott Mosby's company, remodeling design build company. And uh, 
So I have been with Scott for 21 years now, and um, we have a, a long list of actual employees that have been around for, you know, 20 plus years. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a, a great learning facility, a great place to be, and a lot of great things going on. So, you know, I love to to come in and help out just like this is pretty much what I do on a daily basis for Scott going around, looking at houses, talking about projects, issues, corrections, what's the best way to remodel, what's the best way to fix something, what's the best way to build something, and really just trying to help, you know, the clients and the general public out there, you know, for Mosby Building Arts. So today is just another really cool, easy, great way for me to do that. And we've got our first call coming in, so let's... uh, See what's going on on the phone here with Daniel. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Hey, morning. thanks for calling in. Good morning. A uh, long-time listener, rarely call. Get a lot of info from you guys, so it's great. Oh, awesome. Appreciate that. I, my, what i got going on today is I have a small project. I'm building a flower garden at home with those blocks you can buy anywhere. You know, they're 4 inches by 11 inches, and you alternate them. I'm only going 18 inches tall. My question is, do I need to go down and put a, a footing under the frost line? I'm over in Freeburg, Illinois. You know, of course, same as St. Louis. It's, you know, I'm mm-hmm. only about three years down the line, that wall sagging or something like that. And I know I can dig down a little bit and tamp some sand or some leveling stuff down there, but I just want to know, do I need a footing or not? Yeah, I mean, I would say for something like that, you you really, I mean, don't necessarily need that much of a footing you can kind of treat it you know similar to a retaining wall and if you get you know a full block underground and then you have uh, a good you know six six inch or so you know four to eight inch base of just like a tamped minus rock that could really you could flatten out and tamp it and level the actual rock as you tamp it in and everything. I mean, retaining walls can still, it's not below the frost line. It could still move. It could still shift. I mean, if 100% guaranteed, no issue, yeah, go down, you know, 30 inches and put like a 8-inch, you know, concrete footing. But it's just for what you're doing, I think the movement will be little and can be repaired easy enough if it did you know, at a later date, much like a retaining wall. They just take it apart, right. fix an area, and, and redo it and that sort of thing. And that happens on retaining walls sometimes. And that's a, it's less costly to do that twice than it is to dig down 30 inches and pour concrete and go through all this so that a little garden thing doesn't move. Right. Well, it's 4 foot by 13 foot by mm-hmm. 4 foot. And sure. I want it to last my lifetime. I'm 63. I don't want to go out there in two years and redo all the bricks. So maybe I'll go down and yeah. do it. And yeah, do if, it, if do it right, be done. If you're up for it, absolutely. I mean, that'll be the know all end all that you know it's not going to move because of frost and and stuff like that. You know, it right. would all be dependent on the soil. You know, underneath well, I have there. The energy but, part. 
I have the energy for it this year, but who says in three years? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. As as definitely as you age, you start knocking some of those things off your list and everything of you know, what you're okay. willing to get into. So yep. I totally okay. understand well, we, that. We got good weather next week, you know, fifty degrees, it'll be the time to do it. Yep, you know, we'll and, and if it starts Thanksgiving and hand them a shovel before they get to the turkey plate. Yeah, exactly. And if it's getting colder, <laughs> there's going to be some overnight lows. You throw some straw on top of the concrete in the ground. You can put a blanket over it. It's going to be pretty warm down there. So I think right. you're going to be good. Um, so, yeah, right. appreciate the call. Um, great well, question. Great thought. I, I love it that you're very welcome. And I love that you're going to you know, go all the way and get it as good as you can. Um, I think what we'll do here is get into our first break. We got a couple of calls on the line, so we can jump right into those calls after this break comes up, right after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, everybody, welcome back. Rich Orris here filling in today for Scott Mosby. Got a ton of stuff we can do, ton of stuff we can go over. But for now, happily, we have tons of phone calls backed up on the line. So we're going to get right into them with Chris here and see what uh, what do you got going on, Chris? Hey, um, I, uh, I have a couple of questions. Okay. Um, one sure. is I have purchased some components to, like, updates my bathrooms okay and then then realize that it might be worth contractor to go ahead and put them in um do you do you have a recommendation on how to find somebody that's willing to do that because uh i've I've tried a little bit and i normally get a "Eh, no i don't want to do that i think it's for warranty or whatever on their work but um yeah i'm just looking for an idea there yeah, and, and it is, uh, it's a great question, and it is something that, as professionals, we are all extremely concerned about stuff like that. And it's funny that this came up because literally just yesterday at Mosby Building Arts, we were discussing this very topic, you know, of and, and, and we discussed things like this because... Um, you know, we were talking about, do you buy stuff from a big box store or not? Where are you getting certain things? And, you know, there's the whole thing of like the plumbing parts inside a faucet might be better from a plumbing supply warehouse than, you know, a manufacturer one meant for a big box chain store, stuff like that. And, and you know, a lot of conversation came up that Mosby has a 10-year workmanship warranty. We'd like things that last that. But the workmanship, here's where the, the rubber really meets the road that people don't think about is a workmanship warranty is about how you install something. It's the labor and that you've done it correctly or the best way possible. Um, it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with that actual material. And the warranty on the material is, you know, what covers that actual material. So my point in the whole conversation was, it's really about setting expectations because if you want to make things, um, you know, last a, a long warranty, you know, 10 years or more like ours, I'm like, well, what's the average warranty on a refrigerator? What's well, one to five years, you know, one to two really on most of them. Um, but a sub zero has a 12 year warranty. 
So that says Mosby can only install sub-zero, te- you know, refrigerators if we want the products to match our workmanship, and the products never really do. So it, that's okay as long as the expectations are set and everybody understands. So for your bathroom, I would tell you call Mosby Building Arts um, because we can come in and we remodel bathrooms all day, every day. Ninety more than ninety nine percent of them we purchase all the materials for the client selects all this and that. But if materials are there and you can verify what they are and they're going to fit and you can get it's really about those selections. We can do the labor part of that. You know, it's it's not a problem. And we will have some materials maybe like the water line or you know stuff like that for the mechanical part of it. You know, in that cost. But, you know, I, I would say Mosby Building Arts is the only company I know that would really take on a project like that and put in customer, you know, supplied materials like that because we're just really good at what we do and, and we'll set the expectations on what you've purchased, you know. Okay, that's, that's great. You just actually prompted another question related to this is, is there any benefit to the customer doing the demo part? I mean, can you save yourself some money, enough money to make it worth doing? Not necessarily, because um, the, generally, especially if it's like a regular bathroom, if it's drywall and not like, you know, you're tearing out plaster and mud set walls and things like that, the demo is mm-hmm. really quick. And and then what happens is if you don't do it super well, like there is places you take off drywall, like around the shower, stuff like that, and then we got to come in and still pull some nails. You got to be really good at it. And our guys demo things every time we do a job, you know, so they they right. know what they need to do or where to cut. So what, what we've seen happen often is um, we come in and then go, oh, man, you took off too much drywall. We didn't need all that off. We didn't plan on replacing all that, so all of a sudden, you saved, you know, five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars demoing. But now I got to charge you, you know, eight hundred <laughs> to do more drywall than we thought. And you're like, wow, I only saved two hundred dollars. Like, why didn't I just let you guys do your job? You know, so that's what we find a lot is um, unless it's big, a whole lot of stuff, you know, that sort of thing. So. Fair, fair enough. Okay. And the second question I had related to, um, I put in solar panels in 2021. And okay. I'm actually an electrical engineer, so I learned something as I was going through that I still, I believe, is a knee-jerk reaction that happened. I It's, it's totally there for safety, is those solar panels need to be disconnected from Ameren's lines when the power goes down to avoid hurting linemen. However, the knee-jerk reaction that they did is they put the shutdown, the rapid shutdowns inside the inverters. So mine are out on my barn. Uh-huh. And then they put a little, they put like a 2,000 kilowatt or watt uh, inverter in there that you can plug things into. And I was like, well, why didn't somebody make one that can be put between the line and the house, and that way I can take advantage of my solar panels when the line shut down. Oh wow! Yeah, and all that. So, 
So what I the idea I also realized is I went ahead and put in a transfer panel so I could use my generator. Sure. And I'm like, do you know anybody that that might look at a, a problem like this and be able to help me to um, disable, I guess, for lack of a better term, the rapid shutdown stuff in the in the inverters and then install something at the transfer panel to make it automatic. And obviously, I know we'd have to go through the the process with Amron and everybody to say, yeah, we agree, that's good. But yeah. I'm just wondering if there's anybody out there that you've heard of that's even thinking this way. So I, I really haven't. Um, and when we have houses that get solar panels and stuff, you know, we're kind of outside of all of that um, and don't deal directly with it. Um, so mm-hmm. I just had one that we replaced the roof on. They got solar panels and everything, but it all went through um, Stribe Electric, Stribe Co., and then they had a solar panel company actually do the solar panels. I would say start with Stribe Co., Stribe Company, and they're an electrical, mm-hmm. you know, they're an electrical contractor, electrical company. They do a lot. They've worked with us for like more than 15 years. Um, and, mm-hmm. and if they don't, if that's something they wouldn't want to try and take on or figure out, they'll at least be able to get you to their solar panel contractor that may be able, you know, may want to, or may be able to figure something like that out. So that's where I would head with okay. that. Go to the experts a little bit better than, than, than myself. I got you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the help. All right. Perfect. No problem at all. Um, do we have time to get Paul in here before we get Paul in before the break? Uh, Paula, hey, are you there? Can you hear me? I can. Thanks yeah. for taking my No problem. Thanks for calling. What do you have going on? Well, I was just wondering, are you better off to go up or out when you're putting an addition on? And, like, what's the cost per square foot of going out versus up? So not It's not going to be, like, oodles of woodwork and fancy finishes and... Yeah, yeah. So, so typically, you know, it's it's generally they would say more cost effective to go up, and it's generally because you don't need a foundation, you don't need uh-huh. to dig, excavate, and you don't need to put in a foundation um, to do that. So, really, figuring out the best project for yourself can change that by way of just what do you really need? How big does it need to be? And what are the complexities of going up versus out and stuff like that? Because, um, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily always the case just because of the house and how it's built. And sometimes you got to figure it out to know for sure, you know. But the general rule of thumb is, yes, it costs less to go up than it does to go out because of the cost of the foundation. And today, boy, we've really got some cost you know, racking up on every layer of construction. So the foundations are not getting any cheaper. Um, but as far as, um, you know, a a generalized cost, I don't really know a generalized square foot cost of what, you know, a, a typical room addition building out to a typical room addition, you know, adding some bedrooms or something going up would be. It really relies a lot on the type of company that you find to do the work. 
um, just because of how much service, what level of service, what do they really do and provide and how do they really function sways that cost greatly. Um, and of course those costs have changed so much here. It's harder to tell that, you know, in the past two to three years as things have changed because of COVID and cost increase and labor increases and, and all of that. Um, so yeah. it's harder to really know that. And a lot of what you find on the internet is probably going to be not real accurate and or, and, and or incorrect Hard. from too long ago, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, we really almost got to get into the project to really figure out, you know, what the differences are and, you know, how that could play into it. But, you know, we, we here at Mosby Building Arts, we have a ton of service. We have our own, you know, workers and stuff that can make that cost a little bit more. So that square foot cost could be, you know, slightly more than a smaller company that uses all subcontracting. So, Right. You don't have a ballpark for how much it is right now? Not really. Not without looking at the home and seeing the home and all of that. So, um, but yeah, I would say, you know, you can get a hold of us and have us come out and take a look at it. Um, but I do okay. need to get into uh, our break here. So I appreciate the call. Great question. I'll maybe touch a little bit more on it, but we'll, uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, we're back having a great show. Great questions, great calls. If you have anything for us today, again, feel free to call in 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And talking about calls... Let's get Donna on the line here. She's been on hold for quite a while. Thanks for holding, Donna. What do you got going on? Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm looking at possibly putting a hot tub in a sunroom. And the room is about 10 by 12, and it's surrounded by windows with screens. And it's on the uh-huh. south side of our house. It's a vaulted ceiling, no heat, no air in the room. And I just wanted to get the... The idea in front of somebody that actually can give me some advice on whether it's going to be an issue or not for me. So, yeah, definitely that, you know, when the sunroom is closed off, you know, that is adding a, a ton of, you know, moisture, humidity into the air inside that sunroom. Um, so if you just put it in there, um, you will inevitably have moisture issues, problems, too mu- too much humidity, you know, things like that going on. Um, you you definitely need to speak to someone about, you know, how to control that in the room constantly when you have that. Because generally in your home, you're controlling it at times. In the winter, right. it gets drier, so you turn the humidifier up a little bit, that sort of thing. Um, in there, it will be a constant, so you will probably need a, a dehumidifier and a really good ventilation system to to get that moisture out of there. So you could have a dehumidifier that's kind of constant to control to keep it down. But what happens is when you get in it and when you uncover it and it's running and, you know, then the moisture in the into the air and stuff is going to 
multiply and then the more people so if you got four people and it will people put out humidity too just living right. in a home so you get right. four or five people and it running it's going to go up so that's where the ventilation system would help to clear right. it out you know during that time too and have yeah. like a fan blowing out you know that would work for the size of the room and and truly okay. move that much moisture kind of like a bathroom okay. on steroids yeah, what they had told me um, at the dealership is that when the cover's on, you know, it's virtually not, there's not a problem. It's just when you take the cover off, maybe open some windows, um, that kind of thing. And I, like I said, I'm just in the preliminary phase here with this project and I don't want to, I don't want a problem down the road. Yeah, well, if that cover's not sealed... And they just sit there, they snap or whatever. Um, right. You know, I would say it's going to add some level of moisture to that room. Okay. And what I always okay. try and advise people is monitor that. So right. in your home, right. monitor it. So if, if it right. seems like they're like, nope, this is going to work, it's not going to be a problem, you know, that sort of thing, as long as you do this, you can try that out. But what I would do is I would get you know, a, a hygrometer, like a digital hygrometer in that room. Okay. And then when you have it covered, you can, you know, see, and when you're using it, you can see a spike, how high it goes. And then when, right. when not, you can see what's the humidity level in there. And if that humidity level gets above 50 with that thing covered, then you're going to need something. Okay. So a dehumidifier would definitely help. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay, cool. Okay, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the call. Great question and good thing to think about in a situation like that um, to know because every, everywhere is going to be a little bit different and, and you really need to, to know what you're getting yourself into. So let's uh, let's go to Sandy here and see what we have going on. Sandy, how you doing? Yeah, well, I'm not doing really well. Oh, I that's too bad. <laughs> I have a situation that I think is going to be uh, just expensive. I live on a slab, a concrete slab, and I've been noticing in my kitchen I have tile, I have hardwood floors, and other places. But between the cra- the you know the squares, uh-huh. there has been a little seepage of water. I oh, have okay. checked. I've checked my all, all sources that might be leaking. You know, I check my outside pipes, see if they're leaking, and nothing seems to be leaking. But it's just, and particularly when I'm standing on the square, I can almost see it bubble up. Oh, it's yeah. It's not like a flood or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not to that point, but I'm very concerned. And you're the first source that I'm calling. Okay. Yeah, so my first question would be, and maybe this is more something to to watch out for, you know, in the future, but um, have you ever noticed it, like, happen or not happen um, at different times or, like, during rainy times? If, if, you know, when we've had a lot of rain for a week or two, have you ever noticed more of it, you know, going on? during like a wet season rather than like a dry time? No, this is the very first time that I've noticed it. And I've noticed it now for about three weeks. Now, we did have a pretty strong rain, 
But this is like for about three weeks I've been noticing this. Okay. So so it's pretty recent. Yes. Um, yeah, so so the big thing you're trying to figure out is is this happening because of mechanical stuff that runs underneath the floor, you know, in the in the home, or is it happening because of, you know, groundwater getting underneath that floor? around your footing, stuff like that from outside and underneath everything and, and coming up because the weight of the home will cause pressure that brings that groundwater up. Uh-huh. Um, so you've got one of those two things going on, you know, getting the water there. And it's really about trying to figure out, you know, what that is um, and in and, and which yeah. case it, it is happening, you know, and I don't why. think... I don't know too much about slabs, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't think the pipes run under the slab. I don't think. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So a lot of time in slab homes, um, the drains are definitely going to be underneath there. And okay. So if you're what I've seen in the past, as far as mechanical stuff, and sometimes the water lines are. Um, it, it just depends on what they did and how they did it. Um, but, um, uh, you know, the drain could be broken so that, like, every time you're running your kitchen sink, you're dumping a bunch of water underneath that slab now, and, and it could have broke three weeks ago. You know, uh-huh. finally the ground sank enough to crack that pipe to let enough water out of it. In some in some homes where they're... Um, they're, they're like multiple levels, you know, like a split-level home. Part of the home might be concrete slab like that, and the other part's got a little foundation. And I've seen in that instance where they do run the actual supply lines underneath the floor, and I've seen those fail, you know, under the ground, you know, 40, 50 years old or something like that, and we've had to break out mm-hmm. the floor to fix drains and supply lines to fix issues like this. And then other times it's just... There's more groundwater getting underneath in around the footings under the home, and it's um, controlling water from the outside to keep it from getting in there that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, fixes that issue. So you're really going to be, you need a good professional to take a look, see what they think's going on, and look outside, look inside, and maybe even Mm -hmm. some time and some testing to try and figure it out. This is definitely going to be something that could take a little while, take a little figuring and and really needs to be on site looking at some of the different stuff going on. Do you have any suggestions on who I could call? Um, uh, So Mosby building arts, this is what we do. We, we do. I know, you know, we're design build remodeling firm, but we also handle all sorts of stuff like this. As far as water management, we have an exteriors division, we we fix issues. We've been educated on the home, um, Good. and and know you know because a lot of this will be theories at first until we try and do some testing and you know figure a few things out. So um, it, this is pretty expensive, I suppose, huh? It truly depends on what it is. Yeah, it, okay. you know, if okay. you need a French drain outside, it might not be quite as bad as if you need to tear up your kitchen floor. You know that right. sort of thing. So. Right. Um, I, okay. We need to get into a break here. Um, it's okay, a great question, you. and you're about the third one here I'm kind of recommending. So you guys can call Mosby Building Arts at 
1800 and they'll get one of us to come check these things out and we'll be right back with more after this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Rich Orr is here today having a blast. Got so many calls and questions and so so many interesting questions of, of great things going on. Um, love helping out everybody. So speaking of helping everyone out, let's just get Ann on the line here. And see what you've got. Anne, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Oh, you're um, welcome. Thanks for calling. Sure. I'm wondering how I would go about finding someone reputable to assess my home, my new home. I just moved into this place last year, and I want to make sure I have adequate insulation, like in the attic, and, and the basement was pretty cold last winter. So I want to I want to find out if there's if I can improve in that way to make the home more, uh, you know, energy efficient and so forth. And I don't really know who or what kind of company, whether it's Mosby or, you know, to do Mm -hmm. that kind of assessment. Yeah. So, um, so the, uh, what I'd really recommend is, so we use a company called uh, Goli Insulation. They're out of Illinois um, they would do a lot of that insulation work of mm-hmm. what we're figuring out and finding and or building. Um, and and they've been really good over the years, and I kind of select them because of a lot of their understanding in how to do, you know, insulation and what's helpful and what's not and things like that. It would not hurt. For you to have someone like myself from Mosby Building Arts come out and take a look and and go over some stuff and 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 talk about you know what we feel because my main thing is and I'm not just like oh yeah I, I need to go look at it but these sort of things intrigue me because understanding more of the home can really be helpful when you're looking at one layer of the home. And so I can look at a home, and a lot of us from Mosby Building Arts can look at a home and kind of go, okay, yes, you need more attic insulation, but here's the different ways you could do it. Here's what I would advise, and here's what I would watch out for so that you don't hurt your roof shingles or you don't, you know, minimize the the ventilation in the attic and different things like that. Um, or, or advise how to do things in the basement with the band boards and air infiltration and stuff. And so sometimes even if it isn't anything we end up doing, you know, cause I might look at all of this and go, you just got to make sure you do these things correctly. Here's who I would recommend, have them in, they can do this sort of thing, you know, and, and then you can have a better educated understanding of what's going to happen and reassure that maybe you're not doing anything wrong that could affect something else down the road. Cause then I I've had it where I've looked at it later and went, okay, wait a minute. You know, I I've had, you know, insulation problems from, from people that came in and tried to correct issues and they literally made it worse. And the, the word smart was in their name <laughs> for how they analyze a home. They did energy audits they did all this stuff and they recommended doing this work. And I had a, a quick, you know, specific case of a bathroom where 
you know, the floor was cantilevered outside of the foundation to the outside of the home. So the undersides kind of just covered with a piece of plywood and exposed and that and their bathtub was there and the and it was always cold in that bathtub and it was hard to, you know, in the winter have hot water and the cold getting under there. So this this company was smart in their name, did an energy audit, and they recommended putting a foam, spray foam insulation underneath that floor. They took the bottom of it off. They sprayed foam. Well, they didn't do it correctly. And -hmm. what they did was when they surrounded the drain pipe, they kind of made it like a refrigerator. So when it does get cold, it's not going to get warm again because it's getting nothing from the house and it's holding the cold in. So this particular client actually saw ice growing out of his drain into his bathtub the Dang. first time it froze outside after they were done. Mm. And I'm going, wow, um, yeah, they did this super incorrectly. And we came in and stripped it all out and did a different, used the same material, but performed it differently and had a better result. And it no longer freezes like that. And their bathtub is warmer. And so it's all about how they perform it. So that's where they can sound like they know and do a lot of testing and stuff, but if they're not going to perform it right, you're really kind of stuck, and and that's hard to tell. It's not like test driving a car. You don't know if they're going to perform it right. So that's why it's good to have someone look at it that knows more about the whole home. Yeah, that's my thing, finding someone that, you know, to avoid that very scenario. Yeah, exactly, and and then we can advise some things, and, and if it's just, yeah, get an insulator and make sure of this or that, perfect. You know, that's great. But, um, you know, so I think it would definitely be worth, you know, I, I would always recommend Goalie for your insulation and then definitely be worth, you know, um, maybe having one of us from Mosby come out and take a look because we can do and perform and control the whole thing and schedule it and, and make sure it's right. And that might be a protection that you, you, you know, see the value in and think, yeah, I'd rather have your guy correct it because if i tell you make sure it's like this are you really going to know that so that's something that could be discussed also okay you know how does that truly go about all the way through okay i i will give you a call yeah absolutely i appreciate that and let them know you talk to me as is you know filling in for scott and everything and uh, they'll see what we did, can do to get one of us out there for you um, and the, the number again, 314-909-1800 for Mosby Building Arts. You can go to callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y, and you can um, you can schedule appointments through there, have conversations with them. You can see everything about Mosby. So, Anna, I appreciate the call. Good question. Um, for sure, and we're gonna we're close to our, our break here. So, Ron, if you can hold on um, through the break and everything, we'll get to you as soon as we return. And for everybody else, yeah, it is a great idea, you know, to sometimes to have somebody educated about much much more. You know, it's like a car guy looking at your car, but he only understands one thing about it. You know, and, and if you know everything, you'll just be a lot better off you know, with the whole system and and reassuring that things are going to work and flow well for you and everything. So, hey, can't wait to start this back up. Ron, we'll get to you right after the break. 
Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here it is. Second hour. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. Sitting in the big chair, getting your calls, getting some answers. I think we've had some Great conversations. If you have any questions about your house, we've got some time left here. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I want to get Ron on right away because he has been waiting forever. Ron, thanks for holding so long. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Rich, and I appreciate you taking the call. Um, I have a situation in my kitchen, Rich, and I'm, I'm, I don't know how interesting this will be, but but on uh, cold mornings, like we had this morning, I have moisture that trails down from around the vent pipe, exhaust vent pipe, above the above an electric range. And it only seems to happen when it's really cold. And it's a fairly old house, 60 years or so, and, and I don't remember the first 15 years this happening, but... It happens when it gets really cold now. So obviously, I got condensation that melts in the morning, and yeah. what it is. Is there any trick? Leave the fan running, or anything like that that might help? Um, so there's a there's a couple things that could be looked at, um, and, and really leaving the fan running it might you know could help a little bit. Um, you know, keeping the air moving, but it's also going to be really super uh, not energy efficient because you're literally pulling conditioned air through that vent, you know, right. so it might warm up the pipe, but you're, you're losing the heat out of your house to do that, to, to prevent that from happening. So really, you know, examining that pipe to find out like, has something changed? Has some insulation fallen or moved? Um, and then maybe going through some steps. Is, is there an attic above this fan? Is it like one floor and there's like an attic right above it? It's uh, There's an attic, not not one that's used, but, but there is attic space up there. Yeah, so the pipe runs through the attic and goes out the roof then, you know, from that kitchen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So So there's definitely some things that you could do up in that attic with the insulation around it, with air sealing around it, with insulating the actual pipe itself, you know, to to separate the cold air from the attic, you know, getting so much of it to the pipe. But then there's also another thing that you can do that not a lot of people think about because when that pipe goes through the attic and then it goes to the roof and it's connected to a roof damper that kind of looks like, you know, the a hood scoop on the front of an old Chevelle or whatever, you know, um, that's all metal usually. And so the metal on the roof can get very, very cold and it can just transport the temperature, just conduct that temperature right through that pipe, even though the pipe is insulated. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with one of the bathroom things where they put all this foam insulation around a pipe and they actually lock the, the cold in. And that's something that can happen with that, that flue pipe, you know, 
connected to that because it's metal all the way down to your kitchen. So basically what you do is you disconnect that metal at some point close to the roof and you reconnect it together with like a rubber boot and you separate it a little bit. So you basically create like a one-inch gap and then you use a rubber boot to hold it back together and then you insulate it so the metal can be very cold outside and it will conduct. It's You know, it's called a thermal break and it won't conduct that temperature down into the pipe, into the attic where you've insulated it. And that helps a lot too um, when you go through and do all that system. So, you know, it's colder than it used to be. There's a lot, you know, weather's changed a lot over the past, you know, 30, 50, 15 years or so. So that could be, you know, part of the play. And it also is just what's happening with our conditions and everything that you've seen, you know, in the past 15 years too. But yeah, I would definitely say get up in the attic, good inspection, look at it closely, see what's going on. And you may need to do some of those steps with the insulation and the thermal break and all of that thing, you know, to make that stop happening for you. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. I, uh, Appreciate the, the help, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem at all. That is definitely a, a pretty common thing that we see, you know, quite a bit too with with all any flu, you know, that goes out through the roof, whether it's the ventilation in the kitchen, a bathroom, um, anything like that. The the amount of roof leaks that I, I go out to to someone's house to look at a roof leak and end up. You know, it's condensation on a pipe from like a bathroom vent. And they're like, oh, we've always had this happening here. and We've got that. And I'm like, yeah, once you, you know, we've had a roofer try and fix this, that or the other. And then all of a sudden, you know, here we go. I'm like, yeah, it's not really. It never had anything to do with your roof or your gutter. It's literally a metal pipe, you know, laying in the attic trying to dump air outside. And it's condensating and just collecting and running off into one spot. You know, kind of like that that hood vent is, um, and it, but but this is on top of drywall, and then they see a water stain and all of that, and and we end up, you know, they spend four thousand dollars two different times, two thousand at a time to fix gutters and roofing, and then I come in and and replace a pipe and insulate it and get it outside and do it correctly and well, and fix their roof leak they thought they had. And they're like, man, I should have had you there the first time. Like, oh, my God. But no one looks in the attic. You know, they're looking at the conditions outside and saying, well, this could be going on. And, and a lot of times they may have truly fixed something that might have been somewhat of an issue or a future issue, but really just wasn't that issue at the time, you know, of, of what's happening and everything. So, yeah, unfortunately, I see a whole lot of stuff like that that just really wasn't um, – you know, skylights can be the same way, like the solar tube lights have a metal pipe that run through the attic. And I've seen, you know, same thing from around there, air infiltrating around it from the the warm house getting into a cold attic, and then it creates all this condensation. So condensation is a huge problem in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, with the temperature changes and differences, it is truly really something that needs to always be thought about and addressed 
um, and looked at when when trying to figure these issues because it's it's more of the issues than people think and and they just see water and think leak oh my gosh got a leak so we're going to get into a break here Ron great question thanks for the call and we'll be we'll be back here in a second right after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys, here we go. We are back. We got two quick segments left here because we got the Billikens coming in. So do have some time for a question or two from you. So if you have anything... Feel free to call in 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I'll be here for you for a little bit yet. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've we been talking a lot, and a lot of these questions have really um, been some issues that you you really need to get some hands-on and really see and, and try and understand, you know, what's happening and, you know, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit, too, to um, the the question from from Paula about, you know, the cost differences and, and talking about square foot cost and stuff like that, because, you know, so much of that can rely on the, the ability and type of company that you're actually using and what do they do and how are how do they work and what are they doing to be the best and different things like that, that, that play into, you know, what it, it costs. Are they using all subcontracting, most subcontracting? Do they have their own employees? There's so many things that can further into that, what something costs. And I always kind of refer that question back to like a car, like think about a car. If you were to say, you know, how much does a car, I'm thinking of a mid-size sedan, how much does a car cost per pound? Well, most cars weigh relatively close to each other when they're in the same class, whether it's, you know, Mazda, Toyota, Lexus, um, you look at sports cars, that's the biggest, you know, different scenario of, you know, what's, is a, is a Corvette about the same cost as a, or you know, same weight as a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something like that? And you're like, okay, well, the cost per pound of that Corvette is going to be way less than you know the the. It's going to be five times more than the Lamborghini or the you know you're talking a a hundred thousand dollar car, a five hundred thousand dollar car, and so. There is a difference there, but it's the same thing in general, right? But people see the value and they pay for it and they want it and, and they do all this. So it's, you know, looking at the the square foot cost of something and kind of, you know, think about insurance and homeowners insurance. What do they do? Well, they're looking at an average cost over like a tri-state area. So when they're saying, oh, you know, your roof should cost this or your this should cost that, they're looking at like an average and and not all companies are average. You know, some are way above average. Some are way below average. You know, there's a lot of different types of companies, you know, that exist that are out there. And so, you know, how do they think? What are they doing? When when I look at it, I think there's like three types of companies out there that really do work that, you know, there, there's one type 
um, of company that really kind of just does work and they watch what happens and they learn about things from from elsewhere or other places or, you know, different products or stuff. And they're just kind of watching what's going on. And then there's other ones that kind of, they ask what happened when, when things aren't correct or right, they kind of go, Oh, what in the world just happened? Like, Oh my gosh. And, and they're not really progressive or aggressive at figuring things out. And then there's the, the few companies out there that literally make it happen. They figure it out in advance they constantly change and they constantly improve and they constantly work at what they're doing to make it the best thing absolutely possible for everybody. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different things there. So when you look at companies and you look at, um, you know, how long is their warranty, do they have things or do things that other companies don't do? Like, um, you know, we, we have a lot of clients that, you know, they travel, um, they're not always around. Um, so we have a, what we call a client portal that puts our clients into our computer program for their project. So you can see, you know, you can communicate with everybody. You can see what's going on. You can, you can, they put in daily notes like the field will of like, this is what's been happening. This is what we're working on for simple things. They can put some photos in there. So if you're not around, you can see all that. You can see a construction schedule of what's going to happen when, and it's the goal to the means to the end of trying to get there. You know, it's, it's, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Does it work out every time? Probably never. But it gets to that end date. So sometimes we'll be ahead of it. Sometimes we'll be behind it. But without that end date, you, sometimes, you know, you, you guys know you, you never get there. It takes, you know, they say, well, this should take three months and it takes nine. Or they say three weeks and it takes, you know, three months. And not doing things like that to try and be the best for everybody and deliver the right thing. You know, so there's a lot of things. There's, I, I don't know of any company that has like portals and things like that that can get all this information in one spot that can really make it simple, you know, for you. So there's a lot of things like that that cost into, you know, who you are, what you do, and, and how you're doing it to perform that. So really, you know, in, in, some people might even ask, well, why do you even go through all that? Because believe me, I've worked for a ton of companies in the past, you know, more than 21 years ago that didn't care about anything like that. And it was all about the job, the work, make money. You know, it wasn't about doing things better for people, making a positive difference in their life, trying to, you know, and when you focus more as like a steward to what you're doing than just a functioning piece it is way different. It is better, you know. So for for me, for us, like, you know, what I really answer to that, why would you go through all that? Basically because, you know, the, the bottom scenario is, you know, the work that we're doing today as a, as a company is better than the work that we did last year. And because of what we're doing, like we were just talking about, You know, we were talking literally yesterday in a meeting about those products. Would we use somebody else's? Would we get some from a big box store? It's about being better and and setting expectations and all of that. So what that means is because we're doing that, 
the work that we'll be doing next year will be better than the work that we're doing today. That's going to be what really helps and matters in the end is to always progress and always be better. And then you will have people want to come back, understand, get delivered good things, and and it'll just be sustainable and it will be the best thing for everyone and they will love it. And you'll be more effective when you have processes, you can repeat them and you can be, you know, generally just means you're, you're correct again more often because you're running through the same process every time with every person, regardless of the project, the size, the dollar amount that, you know, that is truly not the goal in what we're trying to achieve and of course, all that other stuff gets delivered because of the goal of what we're trying to do and achieve. But that's what makes it so different, and that's what makes us love to be here. That what that's what made me stay here for twenty one years of the forever change and the better and the trying to make it better. And I've gotten to be a part of something like that. That to me is like it's just it's great. I love it. And we have a list of of people that project managers, um, the head of our painting division, Oleg Pogorny, has been here over 20 years. John Yoko, um, one of our uh, project managers that used to be the head of the painting, is also over 20 years. Um, Tim Wallig, that, that runs the production department, he's the head of all of the production department now. He has been here over 20 years. There's people that have literally been here longer than me. There's a list of these people that, you know, so when you make it great for your workers, great for the clients and and, and a goal in what you're doing, you just get to deliver all this awesome stuff. So that's, that's what I, I, I love achieving that. And I love delivering that for, for everyone I see during the week and being here for this show. So we got one more segment coming up here. You can give us a call. We can get a question in, 436-7900 or 800-925-1120. We're going to jump into a break, and we'll be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Rich Orris here, filling in for Scott Mosby. Just absolutely loving today, had to such a good list of questions and, and, and answers and situations for everybody. Um, and, and I have some questions that, um, we actually got, uh, mailed into us. So, so like a letter, actual snail mail, um, mailed into Mosby building arts and, you know, asking about a couple different, you know, scenarios of different things with the house and was just curious with, you know, one of them was um, uh, getting a new water heater. So one of the questions was really, you know, they have a gas water heater now. They don't really, they have electric and gas, don't really want to go to an electric water heater or go all electric. They like the gas. But is is it worth, I think the main question was, is it worth upgrading that water heater when you replace it to a heater that has a PVC flue pipe that actually goes out of the house sideways and can be more energy efficient and effective and, you know, all these things is that, you know, cost increase really worth it. And, you know, on a product like that, you really have to think of 
other things than just the money am I going to recoup? You really, you know, need to think about the longevity and how long you're going to be in your home and think about the environment and the control of like the whole, the whole world, the city, the state, the country, you know, across. Um, and I'll give you an example because like, you know, years ago I had, I had replaced a bunch of my, my toilets to like low flow toilets and, you know, they have a flush where, you know, it flushes a little less with the one and you're really controlling how much water you're using from the toilet. And, and my sister-in-law's uh, boyfriend at the time, he, he, he asked me, you know, is that really worth doing? Does it really save you anything? Does it really, if you put this stuff and I said, yeah, no, that's a great question because honestly, no, not at all. It's, it's not worth it at all for me to do that. What I need is everyone to do that. And that's when it becomes worth, it becomes really worthy then. Because if I do it, it's going to save me very marginal. You think about, well, the sewer bill is the sewer bill. And 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 the water, you know, it's going to save me such a marginal amount of water that it's definitely the cost of what I did. I'd probably have to be there 20 years to recoup it. It'll probably break down and need to be replaced prior to me recouping the money from my savings of water. But if the whole city did it or the whole state did it or the whole country did it, think of like not needing to build more water plants because the whole country lowered their their water usage by a percent. That's really the way you got to think about some of this stuff. So on a water heater like that, you know, when you upgrade a water heater, and let's just, to, to make math easy, let's say, you know, a water heater's efficiency with a normal flu and normal gas is about 70% effective. Uh, means you're wasting basically 30% of everything that you're doing. Um, when you upgrade that to a unit that that costs more and say it's now 90% effective and efficient, um, your 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 bill from the gas for a water heater is is maybe $30 a month. So even at 20%, you're going to save $6 a month. So if it costs you an extra $1,000 for this water heater, you know, it's going to take years to recoup that. Well, if it, if it if it costs $600 more, it'd take you, you know, almost six years to recoup it. Um, so they, they do say if you can recoup it in about seven years, then they consider that effective. I think most products you truly don't recoup in about seven years. That cost difference, I really don't think you do um, once you figure out everything involved. Because some of these you might need a, an outlet put in, you know, and that raises the price of that water heater because you didn't need to plug something in. But the one type needs a fan in that pipe, so you need an outlet, and then the sealed version doesn't, but then the unit costs more. So the the fiscal savings might not seem worth it, but if it recoups water faster, you know, and you're not waiting for hot water and, and all these, you know, other pieces of what's happening, then you got to figure, is it worth that? You know, does it does it help the environment because I am using some less gas, um, that sort of thing, um, and all of that. So there's so much into that that you really need to look into 
more so than, you know, just am I going to make my money back? Um, there's other pieces that can be helpful that would would totally help that out and, and make it better. Um, so think of that, you know, the the but the trick fiscal answer might be, nope, it's not worth it. But yet most of the people are going ahead and doing it because it's better for them also. So it'll save some money, but it's then it's better and it works better and, and all of that. Um, another question that was on there was, and this one I find super interesting because basically, you know, they saw on like uh, one of the home improvement shows or whatever, um, having a deck built and they used steel as the frame of the deck um, on this deck that was built. And so a lot of people, you know, haven't seen this yet and don't really know about it or whatever. But, yeah, you can frame a deck with steel floor joists and everything. And, you know, it is a good, effective way to do it. Um, there's definitely probably the biggest disadvantages I, is your cost. If it, if it ends up costing more, you know, that's going to keep a lot of people using wood just not to spend that extra money, you know, getting the deck built. But some of the advantages can be, you know, really good because um, one thing, so, you know, most decks that are getting built today and with the cost of wood increasing and the cost of cedar, you know, cedar wood is still very expensive. So you really build a lot more with the new composite decking than you did, than you do the cedar now because the price is so close in comparison Everybody's going to composite, really. So the steel frame can be extremely flat, extremely straight, man-made kind of thing that'll really, you know, it's lighter, it can span more, and it can, it can, you need that floor to be super flat because the composite decks are thin and they wave, and, and when your floor joists go up and down and they're crowned, and, you know, you can have some issues with how that deck looks and everything but it could end up costing more. So it's a good product. It's worth looking into, but a lot of us are truly just used to wood. We're used to working with wood. That's how we build things. And so we're, we're reluctant in residential to go that way because we're not commercial. And sometimes we got to be introduced and almost forced by clients to go that way. So it's definitely a great question and worth looking into. Uh, we've got Timothy on the phone here. We've got about four minutes. So let's see what, uh, what you got going on. Yeah, Rich, at the top of the show, I heard you say something about uh, DSL lines uh, in uh, Fallon or St. Charles or something. Um, yes. Uh, the the, the uh, story I got about uh, DSL lines in my front yard uh, dates back to 1989, so I don't know how much it applies to today, but uh, telecommunications outfit put uh, board a DSL line uh you know, through everybody's front yard. And for years, I started having uh, sewage problems, and it was hard for me to troubleshoot because I've got an acre and a third. And one day, long story short, um, I finally got a camera guy to come out here about eight years ago, and he would get down to the corner of the yard, and it would just stop, and uh, he couldn't tell what was going on. So they dug it up, and what had happened in 1989 when they bored the DSL uh, to the front yard, 
it had uh, just completely uh, crushed our ceramic line, and it actually they had to dig the whole street up because it actually took the top off of the main sewer line in the neighborhood. So, oh wow! Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know how much that would apply to the, it is 1989. So I don't know if uh, anybody's got a story like that now, but uh, that's that's my story. Yeah, no. Hey, that's awesome. I appreciate that. And yeah, so what's going on out in O'Fallon, Missouri? You know, they're putting in all these new fiber optic lines for for that fast internet. You know, DSL internet, all that stuff. And right. and they're having an, a major issue between the the contractor doing the digging and the boring and doing all this. You know, getting these lines in and and the dig right people like locating stuff. Um, I think a lot of it is is because of the locating, but um, at least that's what they're saying for now. But yeah, back yeah, and so earlier well, this year, a house blew up because of it. Oh gosh, I, I didn't hear that. Is that because of maybe some of the utility lines are so old, or or what? No, because O'Fallon, Missouri's not that old. You know, um, a lot right. of it, and and so basically, it's more like they're just not locating the where they're at in the depth of them correctly so that when the workers come in to do the work and I don't know that that's uh, that's been some of the cases but um you know of why it's happened it could also be workers not paying attention you know there's two sides to that coin but um it, it's really that they're just exactly what happened to you is they hit that sewer line they didn't know well they're hitting cable lines and gas lines and so in march a house blew up this year and they've you know suspended them from doing anything for a while and now they've been back at it for quite a while and they've hit so many lines it's incredible and in the past six weeks they've hit a line each week and so it's like absolutely crazy I didn't know it was that often. I, uh, yeah, I would have. I would have thought they'd have. It's kind of scary that that that's happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it is scary. So yeah, it's worth watching out for, and hopefully they do something about it. Tim, great, great comments and, and everything. We got to get out of here now. I appreciate everybody that called in. I had a great, great time today. We've got the Billikins on deck here, so. I will talk to everybody the next time I'm on. Have a good one.